You're listening to the Rogers Waterfowl Podcast. This is A.A. Ron Jones. Chandler Smith here. Let's talk some waterfowl. But I guess, um, I mean, the duck season this year for you guys is... Stupid. It wasn't... Not stupid as in we banged them. Legitimately, I have shot three boxes of shells in the United States. And I've hunted, not hardcore, but I've hunted quite a bit. Three boxes of shells all season? Yes. Now, I'm an amazing shot. That's Let's not just true. get this that's out there. Not, that's not true. <laughs> it's been bad, man. That uh, yesterday was yesterday was the biggest day, and you weren't even hunting, right? But it was okay. I was here for the latter half of it. And it was awesome. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, you got to you got to watch it. We were trying to get you a gun out of somebody's truck to get you know. I was all right. Tough, really. Yeah, it, it's been it's been tough. Well, it's just like a week ago. Water was knee deep in that blind. Beginning of this week, it was sixty something degrees. Mm-hmm. The backwater's been out all season, which around here is the Mississippi. Right, the confluence is just right down the road. So when that backwater gets out, it's enormous. You can travel down at Hickman, you can travel 10 or 12 miles inland on backwater. So there's just so much area for the birds to go, which is okay when you have a lot of birds. But when you don't have many birds, they can get back somewhere and hide and you can't get to them. No pressure, they don't move. No pressure. All the birds we've had around here have stayed because it's been super mild no weather, no anything. It's been tough. It's, it's been tough. So To say the least, it's been – I've gone on too many hunts with too good of an attitude about it. Uh, I've got a young dog, so I wanted to hunt him as much as I could this year. And I've sat out here in several places and stood next to a tree or in a blind knowing I was going to shoot a duck or two. And uh, I shot a little bit more than three boxes. I'm not quite as good of a shot as Boone is. But at the end of the day, not too many – Differences in my results and Boone's results, even after chasing him. So it wasn't for lack of effort. Uh, Boone just a little smarter than I am. He stayed home and and hung out. So, so and we're talking about limits. Well, actually, before we, before we talk more about duck hunting, today on the Rogers podcast, we're talking with the guys from Higdon Outdoors. We've got Brooke and Boone, and uh, we spent the last couple days down here just. We actually got into some birds. Yeah, y'all, y'all spent the last two days killing birds. It's yeah. awesome. Good luck charms, yeah. to say the least. <laughs> so we've got a standing invitation to come back anytime, as right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Just, you know what's liable to happen if you show back up. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're glad, we're glad you guys came out. And uh, I know it was short notice and everything, but we have literally sat here, you know, more than every weekend waiting for this day. And we finally got our first little front of weather and, um, it was a toss-up. We talked about it and just figured we'd go out there. If you don't go, you don't know. Mm-hmm. And cards fell where they fell, and we shot some birds. It worked out great. Well, yeah, weren't you saying that there was only one or two other days where you got into double digits as far as yeah, I mean, ducks? I mean, seriously, we, we've made, you know, 20-plus hunts out here, you know, at, at the most, and that's not really a whole bunch. But um, this is our third or fourth day that we've shot over nine <clears throat> ducks. You guys shot more yesterday. More ducks were killed on this farm yesterday. Than almost a whole season, yep. Beforehand, so rough. Well, well over half. More yeah. ducks were killed yesterday than half uh, the whole season. What did we end up with so. yesterday? Thirty-five ducks in a speck. Yeah, thirty-five Kentucky, in a speck. Kentucky yeah. timber speck. Kentucky timber yeah. speck. Yeah. Proud very, of it. Very elusive. Very yeah. elusive. <laughs> yeah. I guess. Yeah. I guess we'll have to go into Brooke. Talk about the uh, kind of like the setup we have down here, um, and, and maybe not everybody's familiar with this, you know, area of the country too. Yep. 
I'll actually uh, let Boone talk about that. You know, I'm I'm not really from here. Boone grew up hunting here, and he's been all over Ballard County. Uh, he'd probably justify and, and be able to tell you a little bit more about this area and, and the particularities. Oh, Boone? So, yeah, this area in western Kentucky, Ballard County, uh, is actually at the confluence, is what people call it, of the Mississippi River and the Ohio River. Of course, Mississippi Flyway is dominated by the Mississippi River. So I tell everybody there's not a whole lot of birds that come here, but almost all of them come over here. So most of your people here in this area are all traffic hunters. You're running big spreads, flooded corn, flooded fields. Here we have a timber hole. So, yeah, it's just a good area. It's a good traffic area. This place historically used to be the goose capital of the world. You know, it's right across the river from Horseshoe Lake, Illinois, so they kind of worked in unison. And this is where the Mississippi Flyways, Canada geese, used to winter. Of course, that's kind of changed since then. But that's what it is. There's a lot of birds that come through here. What we have is we actually have a pretty uh, relatively small farm here. It's about 40 acres. Um, timber holes broke, what, probably four and a half or five? Yeah. Then yep. we have about 15-ish acres of flooded corn that we try not to hunt. Um, and we kill loaf birds. We're hunting the woods. Uh, when you're killing them, it's as close to killing birds in green timber as you can get, except we have a 10-man blind with a kitchen and a mud room in it. But we let the birds come in, roost in the corn, and then <clears throat> when, in the mornings, man, they get up. Other people kill the birds that we roost, just like we kill ducks that other people roost. Everybody kind of works in this community. It's kind of like uh, everybody works as a team. So it's a very unusual area. A lot of the birds are coming down this river. We're about a mile off the Mississippi. Um, so, yeah, it, this year it has been feast or famine is what it has been. Luckily, you guys got in on one of the feasts yesterday. Um, very unusual, very cool area. Uh, Ballard County, that's what it is. So. So yeah, due to the lack of migration and the lot and the the surplus of water is you know, why it's been slow. You'd say. Yeah, and we've had ducks this whole season around. You know, there's probably four or five refuges within about 20 miles of here that that I keep count on, and we've had good numbers of birds, well over a hundred thousand between these refuges. But they've been there. There hasn't really been any necessity to get up and feed because it's been mild, not a lot of wind. They've just sat here. No new birds have pushed in because the weather up north has been relatively mild. So these birds have just gotten incredibly stale. So when they do get up and decide to stretch their wings like once a week, they know. They know you. They know what you look like. They've seen you four or five times. You've probably shot a couple of their buddies. Hunting stale birds and very few stale birds is, is tough, and that's what we've had all season. Yeah, you know it's bad when, you know, here we're closing in on the last week in a duck season, and this past week this, this front, you know, started generating across the U.S., and I'm getting phone calls from very credible sources from Ducks Unlimited to biologists, and uh, they said, man, get ready. You know, there's you're about to get your first migration since October. It's like, well, looking back on it now, Probably not a whole lot we could have done between October and now to get us here, but you know what's happening. It's unfortunate it's late, but like Boone said, we're we're a flyway. We're not necessarily a destination for the ducks, but they have to pass through us. And we don't get ducks, and it's warm up north. It's that it is what it is. But you know we're we're either going to hunt or we're not. And when they're here, we're going to shoot them. And you guys got lucky and got here whenever we got to shoot them. There's a lot of I call them conspiracy theories on Facebook of why the birds aren't migrating. You know, I kind of chalk it up to, hey, maybe this is Mother Nature's way of regulating herself. You know, um, 
I've seen everything from heated pawns to whatever, you know. Um, I don't think there really is one or two single reasons. I think it's just one of those years. Uh, and unfortunately, I know some guys that have decided to, you know, we're done. We're going to hang it up. But Probably not a bad idea for the year. Yeah. Honestly. There's a, there's a lot more ducks that are going to be going home this year than usual. So hopefully next year will be a burner. I think but, everybody just wants to blame a bad year on something. And Yeah. Huh? Well, how often is it 60 degrees in January? Exactly right. <clears throat> you know, the birds are still here. It's not like – there was some kind of gigantic volcanic eruption and killed them. They're still here, right? They still migrated. They just didn't migrate as far. So it's just it's just one of those things. There doesn't always have to be a reason for something bad to happen. Sometimes it's just it is what it is. Next year I'd be fire, though. <laughs> I hope so. I, now, I'm ready for this season to be over with, but I'm ready to get, start hitting it middle of September. So Yeah, and that, that's – you know, and you know it's bad when you look up and you're like, man, you know, I just kind of just ready for this season to end. We start over next year, clean slate. But it's also good to hear that the birds are finally making it here. Uh, gives you a little bit of hope for next year that they still remember where the where the farm is. So yeah. hopefully they'll be back next year just a little bit sooner and we can have a little bit more consistent season next year. But How were your guys this season? I know you are kind of on an unusual line, really. I would consider you more central flyway, but technically – you're the Mississippi Flyway, even though you kind of have that weird central Missouri, almost mountainous region, right? Kinda well, we're, we're on the far west side of Missouri. Right, right. But coming through central Missouri, it's kind of like a weird funnel there. It's kind of like right at you guys, the birds have to decide, okay, we're going to go down and we're going to begin the M Mississippi Flyway or we're going to hang out and we're going to go down through Kansas, Nebraska, and, Texas. And that's what a lot of birds do. A lot of birds will actually hit the Kansas City area and then they'll shuffle off down towards Wichita, down I-35, Oklahoma, or they'll follow the Missouri down to St. Louis and come right down to you guys. Right. So we're kind of right they there They kind of have to line. make their decision right there. Because mm -hmm, Southwest Missouri does not have the birds like – well, yeah, I mean, does. it's, you know, southwest Missouri, that's kind of the Ozarks. It is, it's, the it's, it's hills, man. It's You got highland reservoirs, and it's awesome bass fishing. But So that's kind of a cool area for you guys, too. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. Should yeah. I shoot them? We, we got into them decent. Yeah. I wouldn't say it was – I mean, it was like the same for us as anywhere else. We had a good little push there when it got cold in November. But other than that, like you were talking about, we, we hunt some of the big public land reservoirs. And when every farmer that has a – eight acre farm on the outside of the city or a five acre farm they got a one acre pond out back and it's all open water the birds don't get pressured there so they just sit on every chunk of water and until those little tiny ponds freeze that's where all the honkers are going to hang out that's where all the mallards hang out once those freeze then they move to the big water then we can hunt some traffic but until that happens we're not able to really hunt much traffic when they just set out behind people's houses i don't blame them heck why leave why leave if you're you know you've got everything you need right there there's no there's no sense of urgency for these birds other than weather well, that's the reason they migrate anyways you know if it was 60 degrees in canada all year long they wouldn't leave. We'd never see birds. You know, a lot of people, I think they do migrate by, uh, people call it length of day. But also, they migrate historically to get to warmer weather so they don't freaking freeze to death. If they don't have to migrate, their instincts are not going to let them exert all that useless energy. Anyways, what do you guys know about turkeys? I like to shoot them in the face. Okay, oh, okay. wow. Spring all right. can't come soon enough. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I love uh, turkey hunting might be one of my favorites waterfowls up there deers up there I don't know why I like screaming thunder chickens I absolutely love it 
You guys have some new turkey stuff coming out this year. Yeah, and I have to admit, I am not the turkey hunter. I call myself a turkey shooter. Um, I tag around on turkey hunts that involve someone, you know, leading, blazing the trail, so to speak, and I follow them and listen to what they say. And we've got a guy on our team, you know, Bo Brooks, who's who's really stepped up, and he's he's a turkey killer. I mean, he is. He hears it, he sees it, he's going to kill him. And I went out to uh, to hunt with him. Did a lot of hunt with him last year, testing some new products that that we're coming out with this year. And I can honestly say it got me hooked. You know, I, I want to learn how to call them, want to learn how it works. It's it's a cool deal. And you know, the products we're coming out with, you know, decoys is the big one. You know, we've got uh, four new SKUs of turkey decoys coming out this year. We're going to launch them at uh, the NWTF convention in Nashville. Uh, and and they're they're great. We killed a lot of birds over them last year. It was truly, uh, truly eye opening to what you could do to turkeys. And for me, not being a turkey hunter, it's like this has been here the whole time. It's like if every duck hunter knew that you could get turkeys to do this, duck season wouldn't end in February or, or January. People would turkey hunt all year round. It's it's a really really cool activity. And anybody who hadn't turkey hunted, if you like duck hunting, I think you're gonna like turkey hunting. Mm-hmm. So with your turkey decoys, it's, you know, same Higdon quality that we're used to, just Yep. In a different mold. Yeah, I think, you know, really, I think it's better. You know, we like to think that everything we make is getting better and better. We're learning. We're always doing better stuff and, and getting better with all we do. But the turkey decoys are uh, phenomenal. You know, it's some of the most detailed carvings we've ever made. Um, some great materials, just really, really good poses. And, you know, from between 50 to 80 bucks, you're going to get, you know, your choice of a premium turkey decoy. And we at Higdon, we always try to keep the price low, the qualities in the product. And we stand by the product, and, and it's a really, really good product, and it works, you know, from, from one duck hunter to the next. If you're a turkey hunter or not, uh, you're looking for a turkey decoy. It'd be pretty hard to pass up. They're sharp. Yes. They really are. Now, Boone, do you get into the turkeys much? You know, I am a lazy turkey hunter. I have killed turkeys. I have chased a ton of turkeys with not a whole lot of success. I'm a duck guy, right? I am not the physical build of a turkey chaser. I like to get them on roost. I like to get them down and obviously decoy them, right? But who doesn't? But, you know, <clears throat> geographically, there's a ton more turkey hunters out there than duck and goose hunters. Oh, yeah. You know, duck and goose hunting is almost kind of at a premium throughout the country, whereas there's turkeys everywhere. So we're trying, obviously, to enter that market, and, and hopefully we can kind of spread what we, we do and kind of our quality and our, our passion with making decoys to all of these guys that maybe aren't waterfowl hunters um, that can chase turkeys. So that's that's kind of what we're doing here. Yeah, they're they're um, a staple of what we do at Higdon, you know, quality, customer service, innovation, and that, that definitely holds true to the turkey. And uh, this turkey project that everyone at Higdon's been working on for several years has really raised the bar for a lot of our, our waterfowl stuff because the turkey hunter and turkeys by nature are, are very um, – very particular you know the the poses the detail it, it all matters when you're turkey hunting because it, it's such a smart bird and a lot of things can go wrong so that's opened our eyes and, and taught us to you know truly make better products across the board and just kind of raise the bar again and that's what we should do well and there's a lot of great turkey decoys on the market just like there are duck and goose and that's kind of we joke around why it took us so long to come out with one because if we were going to do a turkey decoy we were going to make a higdon turkey decoy that we were proud to have our name on it so it took us a few years a lot of people's already ahead of us in the game but we finally have something that we're proud of we have something that kind of reflects that higdon's quality and i, I think it's going to be a barn burner and man they're 
they're super affordable. Man, you turkey hunters, you don't have to worry about going out and buying five, ten, fifty dozen decoys. If I'm turkey hunting, I do. Well, yeah, <laughs> I, li- I like to run a squad, right? But, man, they're affordable. They're great looking. The steak storage system. There's just so many cool things with them. And, uh, man, we're going to work with you guys and, and really try to do this turkey thing big. Yep. Yeah, it's a good product, you know, and, and just like Boone said, we wanted we wanted something that was, you know, quality and and, and just turkey hunters, they expect quality and, and we took a long time and got things right. And, you know, just the the really cool features of our turkey decoys besides just the appearance and the quality that you get is it's tough. It's got a new motion system on it. You can store the steak. It comes with a bag. They're super lightweight. So you can, you know, if you want to hunt with three or four of them, one person can run up a mountain and do it. Uh, and I've seen it firsthand. So it's a, it really is a, a good, a good product. So, you know, we really hope everyone enjoys it. You know, we had uh, all of our pro staffers last year and, and a few other of our partners, uh, pro staff teams have access to some of the first production runs and uh, we got some feedback and, you know, most of it for the better. And we took that and ran with it and truly feel like we're about to uh, kick the door down when it comes to uh, turkey products. So we're excited about this spring for sure. That's cool. Now, I know you guys are, is, is it just decoys that you're coming out with as far as turkey stuff this year? Yeah, uh, so we got the decoys. Last year with Power Calls, we released a, a, a three-call pack, you know, the short circuit pack. And uh, that was just uh, our entry into it. It was what we felt three calls that could uh, any turkey hunter or turkey caller could grab and um, make a, a product that no matter what call you liked or what style you liked, you can get this three-pack and find something you want. This year, we're introducing several new calls. Uh, Bo Brooks, he makes our turkey calls for us here in-house and hand-makes all of them. We're going to release all the individual calls, and we're coming out with some really unique ones, you know, from ghost cut to combo cuts, Bo Signature Series call. Um, whatever your calling style is, we hope to uh, provide a premium product on the power call side for calls, for sure. And that guy's a calling machine. If it makes a noise and it has feathers, feet, horns, and eyeballs, Hoofs. he will figure out how to call it, and he won't stop until he does. Bo Brooks, in the nicest way possible, is a freak of nature when it comes to, when it comes to replicating the sound of animals. I, I've watched him call in Starling, and, on, and he—I mean, I'm not kidding you. You know, it, whether if it makes noise and it can be called, he's interested in it, and I mean, honestly, it's admirable. You know, his passion <laughs> yeah. for it is serious. Brooke and I—we're not turkey hunters especially not turkey collars Bo is both so that's why he's with us that's why we're that's why we brought him on because you got to have somebody that is almost kind of revered in the industry and and Bo to be such a young age man really really knows what he's doing so huge asset to the turkey campaign whenever whenever I heard from a lot of you know leaders in our industry and leaders in the turkey industry from NWTF banquet where I met Bo talk about how good of a person he was and how talented he was and showed me pictures of all the stuff he kills um, I knew it was worth looking into and then I went out to the Pacific Northwest and went chase some stuff around with him um, he's gonna kill it he's a killer oh you know, yeah if, if he if he can get on him he can call him he can get him in there for you know zero lack of effort he's passionate about it and whenever you're coming out with a new product or a new product line having somebody like that on our team is the uh, the substance and and the validity to it and you know he's a great guy for it for sure absolutely just yeah he was showing me scrolling through his instagram and i'm like oh mule deer elk turkey yep. <laughs> sheep go oh, there's, moose. there's the moose yeah okay there's with a pile of okay 500 yeah. pigeons okay yeah. you know <laughs> no it, it's uh it's it's great bo's great and he makes some great products and we're happy to have uh, happy to have him on our team making these products and helping us push the envelope with the turkey decoys too so um 
we've got a lot to be excited about at Higdon for this year, and and some of the things that Bo has his fingerprints all over are definitely at the top of the list. Yeah, I'm excited to try some of those turkey calls. I'm <coughs> not by any means a turkey caller like that. Oh, but see, these make you like ten times better. Yeah, okay. that's, that's Gu- what it is. Guaranteed. You know, guaranteed. So. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Bo is also a crucial part of the Kentucky timber spec uh, yesterday morning yeah he's a he's a patriot of the um campaign to make sure that the elusive kentucky timber specs don't get overpopulated and take over the green timber here there is no quit in bo brooks no Uh, i think he's got a bumper sticker that says that and i think he's part ninja too because we were talking this morning in the blind and he was standing there and asked us a question and i turned and said something to you and turned around and he's 60 yards out in the decoy spread and you're like wait how did i don't know Trent. yeah he's transports places it's incredible if you never get a chance to hunt with Bo uh, but you get invited to do it I mean you'll learn something that's the cool thing about Bo is he's he's all over the place when it comes to where he hunts and how he hunts and uh, there's something to be said about that but at the end of the day it's not all about the piles but if I've got to pick one person to be on my team to make a pile He's a good one to know. Yes, we're and, and to... Bo's listening to all this right now. Yeah, he's and, uh, creeping in the background. Bo, the the uh, <laughs> go ahead, and put the check in the mail. You know, so this is not free, right? But the the price is very reasonable. <laughs> That's exactly right. And there was some snoring going on earlier too. That you know. <laughs> That's why we quit talking bad about him and shifted yeah. gears. <laughs> uh, that's funny, yeah, because we're actually we're doing this remote from Kentucky at the Higdon Farms. From a how high how high is the lodge? Fourteen. 12, 12 to 14 foot in there down here in the Mississippi River bottom. So it gets out. We're literally basically in a giant tree house right now, a few feet off the ground, just hanging out. A couple and, hundred uh, yards from where we shot yep. You yep. Know, several limits of mallards yesterday. Yeah, was it last week where the water was not too far under this? So. You guys oh, had yeah. to boat in, didn't you? Yeah, we yeah. had to pull the boat to the stairs to get up here. I mean, yeah. we were from where we're sitting, from our floor right here, the water was probably six foot from our feet right now, yeah. which is – about ten foot up the stilts that were that support the lodge. Pretty in. volatile area to build a structure. Well, yeah, and yesterday there wasn't water anywhere, and it rained all day, and the river came up and was over the road, yep. but then it went back down. But yep. still, got to expect anything. Ballard County bottoms. There's a lot of weird stuff. Just come prepared. So, at what point you keep calling it Ballard County? That's like Hazard County. At at what point do you reach that point of the United States where you call everything by county, not by city or? Um, cause I'm from Louisiana. We have parishes because yeah. of the Catholic Church, but um, I'm not really sure. Ballard County is just, from what I know, it from the outsider looking in, is it's Ballard County. You know, it's like it's like the in club, or you know, not that it's the in club, but it, it's that portion of the world. It might not even be in Ballard County, but you know what? We're in it's Ballard. It's just obviously it's a ge- geographical area, but it's predominantly dominated. Um, if you kind of look at it, it's surrounded on three sides by a river. That's true. It's kind of like a – So it's, you know, it's conducive to waterfowl. So there's parts of Ballard County that's farm ground and cattle ground and woods, but, man, Ballard County's ducks and geese is, is what it is. There's obviously there's other counties around this area that are just as good. But if you say Ballard County to a duck hunter, I know that. Yep. People who duck hunt in Kentucky, they'll – They'll uh they'll know what Ballard County is, you know. You know, and being from South Louisiana originally, I never heard of Ballard County. And I didn't know that the duck hunting was what it is here. But I quickly learned where ba- Ballard County was after my first trip here, and I hadn't forgot how to get here since. Well, I was just curious because I call myself I'm from Kansas City. I don't say like I'm from Clay County or Platte County or Jackson yeah. County. I'm just curious at what point you start calling things county because well, don't know. Ballard County does not have a single fast food restaurant. Ouch. And um, 
there's there, you know there's some towns here, but unless you're from this area, you wouldn't know it. No, are you no, cr- we're from, are you crying? Uh, <coughs> we're he from is crying. Campbell. He had him. He's crying. He's crying. I was so in love with this area. It's just such <laughs> a part of who I am. I'm getting actually pretty emotional. But no, okay. Where are you guys from? Wycliffe, Kentucky. Hmm? Hmm? Okay. Uh, Blandville. Hmm? Kevil? Eh? Ballard County. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I know where Ballard's at. That's it's just how it is. I might try that sometime. Where are you from? Jackson County. I'll see. I'll see if it works. Tell you, I've learned a lot um, being in the quote unquote industry. I'd rather say that I'm hunting in Ballard County than that I'm hunting in Barlow, Kentucky, you know? So just leave it kind of broad. You know, where are you from? Oh, yeah, no, southeast region of the U.S. Well, if you want to get real technical with it, you're in Monkey's Eyebrow. Monkey's Eyebrow, Kentucky is a real place, and it's in Ballard County. It's basically between Wycliffe and Oscar. Roger Sporting Goods Podcast coming at you live from Monkey Eyebrow, Monkey's Kentucky. Eyebrow, Kentucky. Where's that at? Just the other side of Possum Trot. Oh, that yeah, is guys, the truth. We gotta we gotta go home. This is getting a little weird. Yeah. <coughs> and and one thing I'm a little upset though is you were telling me about these donut burgers oh, and Jesus. yeah I had to bring that up. I'm I really could use one and you said they're not open on Sunday. They're not. That's not my fault. St. Louis is basically halfway between us. I'll meet you there with one. I'm not even kidding. It's called a Red Zeppelin. It's a double bacon cheeseburger. That the buns are made out of glazed donuts without the holes, so it's like a no honey bun. Yeah, yeah, it's just it's there. It's just pure greatness. You can ask Special K about it. I don't I don't know if any of those guys duck hunt or listen to Rogers podcast. They should, but if they do, maybe they'll give us an endorsement and just yeah. mail us some. Just hamburgers and Reds donuts, Paducah, Kentucky. Come at your boy. <laughs> yes, is that in Ballard County? It's across the street from Higdon. It's across the street from Higdon. My well, I know office, the donut shop is there, yeah. but is the... just, no, no, no. That's in that's in Paducah. Okay. It's kind of hard to get the lingo down. You have sometimes you're in a city, sometimes you're in a county. Sometimes you're in just a state of confusion. Right it's now. Just, yeah, right now. So <laughs> So, yeah, food. I I could talk about food all day. So, one thing I I do, we we always talk about is the foam filled decoys in the Higdon battleships and you know the video where you guys shot them up and everything. Um that's something they kind of live by down here. If there's anything that comes in low, Shooting towards the decoys, at the decoys. If you if you have to to water shot something that didn't quite go down all the way the first time, the decoys aren't in question down here. It's now especially when you have seasons like this year. If it gets down and you think it's going to get out, the decoys are calculated risk there. But well, we it's kind of it's kind of like, uh, hey guys, welcome to the Higdon Farm. What's going on? By the way, you don't don't shoot the decoys. You're like, okay, come on. I'm like, actually, we encourage you to shoot the decoys. Especially today, when they're when they're on the water, hey, get them. In the whole scheme of things, the way this season has been, uh, the decoys are one of the most economical points. Blast them up, and they're not going to do anything, right? They're not going to sink. I shot, actually, I shot a couple decoys today, kind of on purpose. Sorry, John and Ben. Um, but no, they're not going to sink. They're good. We could use them. We do use them year after year. So. Well, that was the thing I noticed yesterday. We knocked down several birds, and they'd swim on you a little bit, or even today. And it, yeah, you're just like, get it, get it, get it. And Everybody's I'm, waiting to for them to color a decoy. We're just ah, just shooting. We're like, all right, we're just gonna do this too. It creates really bad habits if you hunt here for a while. I mean, clearly we hunt over our products a bunch, but you know, there's instances where we'll go hunt with other people, and it may not be a foam filled decoy. And I mean, it will 
you'll really upset some people because I don't even think about it anymore. If it, a bird falls or whatever and it's heads up and, you know, I want my dog to get a clean retrieve on it or whatever, I'll shoot it. And, I mean, I'll shoot through the decoy. Yeah. And you can really get in trouble in other places I, doing that. I don't <laughs> think I even shot at the first three birds yesterday because they came in so perfect and they're just coming straight down through the trees and they got, you know, they're two feet off the water Well, we're elevated. I don't even think I shot at the first three birds because I was like, oh, nope, I'll hit decoys. But then clearly watching you guys, that's... It's all part of the experience. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and really, as, as crazy as it sounds, when you when you can get birds to do that in our position, if there's, you know, like we saw it today, there's two or three that dropping out of a group of 20, then two or three more coming. You're wanting that big group to come down. Being able to let those birds get that low to suck up the bigger group and not have to worry about, oh, don't let them get too low. We're not going to shoot these. There's something to that. I mean, you just let them get in, and if you shoot them, you shoot them. If you don't, you don't. Whatever. It's not going to change the way our duck hunt goes, and it's one less thing to worry about. Well, I'll tell you what. The, the Higdon Foam Field are for real. They took a lot of steel, a lot of tungsten, a lot of— <laughs> <laughs> I mean, seriously, that first year uh, we hunted this farm, we had 40, 50 dozen. I mean, it was a ridiculous amount of decoys. And they're all foam-filled battleships and mag mallards. We picked them up at the end of the season. I don't think we found one that didn't have at least five or six BBs in it. And we used them again. I mean, it, it's just... The ones closest to the blind were in pretty rough shape. We had some people come through that, hey, let's just do it. Let's do the dang thing, you know. But they were all floating at the end of the season, and those decoys are somewhere being hunted over right now, I guarantee it. There's no doubt. I mean, so, if they haven't given up on duck season. Right. <laughs> but hopefully they're still using them. And, and they will. You know, we've got, we've got decoys and customers that use our products, guide services, and loyal customers, and... Seven, eight years, they shot at the first hunt they went on, and it's seven, eight years later, and it's still, that's their go-to. Throw out the battleships, and we're good. So another special key point on your spread in our timber hole out there is just the motion. That's the other side of their waterfowl business, which is so crucial, and I think it's 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 unique as far as what the motion you guys are doing and stuff. So, I mean, what is your, and we talked, we can talk about, you know, you guys have some pretty cool, technology on turning things on and off hardwired and stuff but i mean you love those pulsators out there and, and we, we use them too all the time it's, like, it's hard it's just so hard to, to beat it especially on years like this where you know if you're seeing the same 15 20 000 birds every day and you don't have it you're like why won't we have it and then you get those stale birds and other people may not have access to the amount of motion that we run and that gives us an, an edge you know or the quality of motion we run so it's it's hard to hunt without the pulsators, the crazy kickers, and everything that we have because you want you want that that extra ten percent to try to fool some of these stale birds, and it makes the difference for us. It really does. It doesn't change the world, but it can be the difference between shooting two and shooting twenty all day long. And you don't have to have. We have a I call it a circus down here. You don't have to have that, right? We put out four pulsators this morning. I think there's ten or eleven dozen decoys. Those pulsators pretty much commanded that spread. If you put them out strategically, you can do a whole lot with not very much, but you have to have something. You have slack water and calm water, man, that's the number one thing in my mind that, that hurts you because if you watch any real birds, it doesn't take but two or three or four ducks to put off a ton of water motion. So at the end of the day, you're hunting over plastic objects that are painted, right? No matter how good we think our decoys are, they're painted plastic. You're fooling live birds. You have to put your best foot forward, and you have to use some motion decoys to liven that up. Yeah, so. I, I think a, a really great way to think about it, and I don't think a lot of people think about their spread this way, but where we are here at the Higdon Farm, we're running traffic, birds flying from backwater to the river or flooded agricultural fields over our farm. You know, yeah, ducks like to see duck decoys, and they want to hone in on those, and, you know, 
calling in duck decoys the reason you get a bird's attention and get them to key in on you. But, you know, when you're running traffic on a bird, those birds way up there, you know, they can see the decoys or they can't hear your duck call. But when they look down and see the water moving the way water moves when ducks are in it, the actual water is the decoy. You know, they're, they're seeing the, there's agitation in the water, and that, that is better than any amount of decoys or anything, you know, for those really high birds. They see that water moving, and they know something's down there. They'll come check it out. And they see them. They hear you. And then, you know, perfect world, they come in. But water motion is, you know, a highly highly important factor in, in duck hunting. You know, a lot of people are blessed with a lot of wind or areas that have a lot of wind and they can disguise not having motion decoys. But when you're hunting in the woods or anything like that, you know, there's a reason jerk cords work. There's a reason uh, water motion is successful. And it's that's because birds like to see what birds do. And that's move water, eat stuff, get aggressive, hang out. and Hit on chicks. That's yeah. right. I mean, yeah. hey. Chase them around. You never know. It is what it is. Yes. <clears throat> so I know a lot of times in the timber wind can be an issue not so much last night no yeah this this uh this uh, 1500 square foot lodge we've got here was rocking back and forth you know what i said 20 25 mile an hour winds gust of 40 um it happened it was rough you know yesterday was no joke it, the weather wasn't terribly cold but you know 34 degrees and a 40 mile an hour north wind in your face spitting snow uh you know I, i'm not what i would call a, a die hard duck hunter i love it as much as the next guy but It'll make you think about a fireplace, you know. It just got it got pretty uh, sporty there at the, at the end of our. Mileage in the snow yesterday, though, that was pretty freaking cool. You don't see it a whole lot, a whole lot, you know. Shooting shooting birds in the woods, you think of you know silver skies, big bluebird day, you know, a nice constant wind, get those birds to break the trees, come in, blinded by the sun's reflection on the water. Yesterday was super cloudy, super windy, and snowing sideways. And it worked. So I don't know what any of that means. I've never seen it, you know, happen quite like that. But I tell you, next time that weather's like that, I'm going to go duck hunting because it worked. You know, Brooke, I don't know what it means, but I like it. That's it. You That's exactly. Saying? I don't know what it means, but I love it. That's exactly That's right. That. So That's Ricky Bobby, Talladega Nights. Yes. Yeah. It's quality, quality stuff. Yeah. Um, what do we have as far as water motion for 2019? Oh, really? Water motion for 2019 the products we have, we don't we don't necessarily think that there's no improvement, but we are improving on them. There's no new water motion, um, so there's not going to be a you know XXX pulsator or anything like that. But we're constantly making them better, uh, recarving some of the molds and and doing some things like that. The really only new addition to the the Higdon Motion decoy line is the uh, XS Pulsator Canada Goose. We've recarved that that goose butt, and uh, very good looking goose butt. So it, and that that same mold will be used in the the non-motion version of that the magnum goose butt decoys foam filled and um but yeah you know if it didn't broke don't fix it uh we're always working to make stuff better improving things making them more durable and making them a little bit better but we feel like we've got a great uh great quality and sound product line for the water motion category and until we find something that can hold a candle to what we have now uh, we're gonna keep focusing on making our things better and then maybe 2020 you'll see some cool stuff we're working on but can't talk about it quite yet so yeah that canada pulsator that you're talking about you guys had made in the past uh, you know but and it looks i mean for the guys hunting canadas over water ponds and stuff a lot with your with your goose floaters and stuff that, are, that sell really well and that that big white butt up it's just a eye catcher for me i mean i could walk you know, you know, 500 yards maybe at the truck, and that's the one thing that's sticking out is that big white Canada goose, but I think that helps a lot. We get kind of tunnel vision down here a little bit, you know, if uh, kind of hate to admit it, but we hunt here at the Higdon Farm. We're pretty much duck hunters, right? We hunt in the woods. We hunt uh, some slack water. We hunt some rice fields. But man, there's a ton of you guys out there 
that shoot Canada geese, especially over water. So we can't forget about that, right? Because geese, you know, they make more motion than ducks do on the water. So we're trying to always keep that in the loop, and Canada's are kind of precarious anyways when it comes to any type of motion. But that excess pulsator of the goose, for you guys that are shooting them over water, which is tens of thousands of you, that's really going to help you guys put some down. For sure. And the uh, excess goose swimmer, too. So, you know, goose hunters, there's uh, – there's an option for you too. You know, we've, we've had them in the past and um, we're not giving up on them. You know, we may, we don't feel like the can of goose is ever going to quite come back to Ballard County like it used to be, but uh, we know there's a lot of goose hunters out there and, and motion is just as important for them as uh, as it, it is ducks for us. So there's options for you. Yeah, you guys got uh, obviously Mall Mallard motion decoys and Canada motion decoys and, and some divers too. Yeah. yeah, Divers and the swimmers and pintail yeah. and the pulsator. Um a little bit of everything for everyone you know once you once you get the product right and it, and it works um you can kind of diversify and make better products so heck i encourage anybody listening if there's if there's a species you like to hunt and uh you want to see it in the motion category shoot us an email you know call us talk to us you know tell us why it would be advantageous to you uh we'd love to hear from you, you know, spoonie. we can help you kill more birds spoonie. We're, right? we need that motion spoonie i figured that was coming i'm in i'm an advocate of it I'm, <laughs> but i'm, I'm I'm proud to say but that I, and I helped uh, help the the spoonie decoy we have now. It's being from Louisiana. It's our uh, it's state our nostalgic bird. state bird. <laughs> but uh, well, yeah, I agree. Uh, swimming spoonies, swimming coot. I mean, heck, how could you go wrong? Exactly. I mean, that's just that's just good stuff. It's funny though because we don't see that many people using spoonie decoys up north, and you guys use them here. We were down in Arkansas. They use them down there. It's like that's it's all, a thing. It's all about the color contrast. Well, yeah, you know the. And plus, heck, I shoot, we, sh you know, in my mind, Spoonbill's original greenhead. You know, I'm not prejudiced when it comes to that, but it's all about the color contrast. The, and ours are pretty vibrant. A lot of oranges, a lot of whites, a lot of black. So it just adds something else to your toolbox. So many people are hunting over mallard decoys, mm -hmm. and that's it. Well, you go anywhere and, and start glassing or taking pictures even. Mallard, gadwall, teal, widgeon, coot, there's everything together. So the further south you get in the flyways, the more technical you have to get. So we just replicate a refuge. The more species, the better, right? Because that's what our birds do down here. I think a lot of it too is when we see the spoonies, they just look like a hen. They're just they're all brown. They're, they don't there's no color to them. Now I know you like your spirit animal boon is the gadwall, right? That is correct. Okay. Yeah. Huge advocate of gadwall harvesting. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's yeah. his favorite. It's a. It's They're so a, majestic. They Beep, are beeping and bopping and just loving life, yeah. man. They're not the most beautiful thing from a hundred yards away, but then you get close and you, you know you you, you kill hold a big one. Boone and Crockett Gadwall, gorgeous, They're amazing, subtle beauty. Yeah. Mm. Uh, mm. Although we shot one yesterday that I don't think weighed a half pound. I don't know what that was yeah. all about. He had the size. He was. He wasn't going to make it through the west. He was lightweight. He was not winter. a Boone Gadwall. He had not been eaten. <laughs> he was man. more of a Brook Gadwall. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, sure. That's funny. So we stopped by the Higdon showroom before we, we came out here. And if you've never been there, I got like a little kid grin when I walked in. I mean, if you like decoys at all. I work there and I still feel the same way. So it's I mean, everything cool. is like so neat and clean and everything by species in the six pack on the wall, lined up nice and yep. neat. Is there anything anything new coming up for 2019 that. Yeah, we've got a lot of really cool stuff, you know, um, not necessarily, you know, 40 new products by any means, but uh, some of the, the key things in the waterfowl world that we're really happy to announce that are on the programs for this year that our dealers are, are pre-booking, you guys have ordered them, uh, the full the new full-size goose, the Apex full-size can of geese, they're, uh, 
They're a one piece. They're. Do you hear that, guys? A one piece goose. It's yeah. finally happened. <laughs> Quit emailing us hate emails. We made one. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> one piece can of goose. You know, it's it's got a brand new motion system on it. It's it's a it's a cone motion system with a, a quadrant you know divider system on the stake, and you can still attach it to run it as one piece. Comes with straight stakes. So for you guys that are running big numbers of small goose decoys that want one piece. Uh, all your comments, concerns, and questions didn't fall on deaf ears, but just like everything, we want to make stuff right. When we do it, we're going to spend our time and do it right. So I know, I know it's been two or three years going, but we finally did it, and they're here. And they're they're amazing. Yeah, we hunted with them in Canada this year when we were up in Saskatchewan, and uh, they we moved. impressed yeah. ourselves with those. Like, I, I, huh. I mean, they're yeah, they're pretty gnarly. Yeah, they look great. You know, they really they look great. They move great. They're tough as all of our products are. You know, paint quality is is all there, and. Um, We've got a one-piece goose decoy, so the guys around around uh, Rogers Sporting Goods will be happy to hear that because you guys shoot a lot more Canada geese than we yes. do. Yes, especially those smaller sizes. Like we were talking earlier, Kansas, Nebraska, the Texas. They shoot some lessers. And yeah, and and not only that, but they're a little bit more of a price point decoy. They're a one-piece. They're a little smaller, so you can haul more. You know, not everybody that shoots your smaller subspecies has to have 37 dozen. Maybe you only have the capacity for 18 or 24 decoys. They're smaller. They'll take up less space. You don't have to worry about any heads coming off. And, and they're just a bulletproof little decoy that looks absolutely amazing. Oh, that's nice, too. Would you compare them to the size of, like, a, a lesser? I mean, That's what they were really designed to be. Um, you know, there's a few different subspecies of geese, and it doesn't reflect one of them. Exactly, but it's kind of representative of the of the of the subspecies. So they're a smaller goose, but we've killed big geese over them oh, too. Oh sure, I mean oh, they're yeah. just you know some guys will want them to hunt your smaller geese with, and some guys will want them because they're smaller, they're lighter weight, and they can pack them easier. Well, and that's exactly that's exactly what we do. I mean, I've got some uh, big full body geese that I put in one of our six slot bags, but then we like some of those smaller geese because we can get them in that 12 slot midsize bag. So if you need numbers, it's perfect because they're not huge. You can haul more because we don't have a big trailer. We haul around. We're trying to hunt before work or something. So it's whatever fits in the back of your truck. So that's, that's perfect for something like that for the guys who don't have a trailer. Well, and not spaces. only, not only that, but just like you mentioned in the gadwall, um, Ducks and geese are all different sizes, just like people. So you can go glass upon, and they'll be big giants. They'll be littler ones. There's all different sizes. So if you're really wanting to add that element of realism, throw some of these smaller ones in there with them and make it look ultra-realistic. Every goose is not going to be 23 and 3-quarter inches tall and weigh 11.4 pounds or whatever, right? They're all different shapes and sizes. You can add some of these smaller ones in here, and it'll give that overall look of just absolute realism. Yep. And I think, you know, one big thing we carry with our, our can of goose line is, you know, the play on contrast, darker geese so they stick out and, and all these great things. But the, the big the big key factor here is is they're not they're not a you know, a lesser goose by any means. It's a full size goose and we call it a full size because it's, you know, somewhere between a, a lesser and, you know, and a migrator. So it, it's it's the right size for doing what people want to do with one piece, smaller goose decoys, and that's just big enough to really make an impression with the small number of decoys and then just small enough to fill a whole trailer with them and, you know, run and gun with them. So it, we feel like it's the right size uh, for uh, the people that are wanting to run smaller decoys. Mm-hmm. Cool. So anything else on the decoy front that you care to disclose at this time? New carving on the standards, uh, standard mallards. I know you guys saw them. 
they're they're sharp. You know, they are. You know, we're we're getting more and more detailed with our carvings and 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 the way we portray the realism of a bird. The standard mallard, we uh, we went ahead and recarved that one this year, as well as the the bluebill, standard bluebill, standard redhead. Uh, so there's there's a few things we're you know we're we're getting better at all the time. We're and always you working guys on are it. Carrying all of it. Yeah. So that that's a good thing about you guys. You you can hear about things and oh so and so is talking about that or this or that and then get on your website and it's all there, mm-hmm. right? That that's a good thing about you guys. You have all the products that we offer. If you don't have it, you can get it. Um, hopefully going to be be a good year for you guys with with Higdon, Mo Marsh, you know, and all the. All the sisters. There. Oh gosh, that's that's a whole other podcast. Holy smokes! <laughs> oh yeah. Ooh. There is another thing I do want to hit. Is last night we were fortunate enough to get a one-on-one tutoring session um, from Brooke on the the power call, the spec call, and I sounded like a spec that was lost and had pneumonia. But you know, ah, no, you didn't. <laughs> that's something, man. I've never done it. So, yep. Good lord. The spec calling is is so unique. You know, I tell everybody, and in the nicest way possible. Learning to blow a spec call is about as similar to blowing a duck call as playing uh, the trombone. I mean, it's just completely different. If you're if you're a great duck caller or you're a great Canada goose caller, it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be able to just pick it up and run with it. It is just a unique, you know, unique instrument, and that's really what it is. It's a different sound. It's a different type of instrument. Um, so you got we sat there for what 20, 30 minutes and oh, just yeah. worked on some of the fundamentals and um, really the biggest thing for advanced callers. You know, and I'd consider you guys above average callers, of course, is breaking down some of those barriers and, and learning to start from the beginning and, and really building a good foundation and moving forward. So spec calling, completely different monster. Uh, I love it. Well, see, and I, I didn't have any bad habits or anything to break, and I'm, I would say I'm an average caller. I'd say Chandler's definitely a lot better caller than me. Chandler, what were your thoughts trying to dissect learning to blow a spec call compared to what you're used to with duck and goose? Well, yeah, I, I struggled because of, I, I had bad habits. We shot some specs this year, and I had a power spec call, but I was – just messing around, not looking up any tutorials and not asking around. I just figured out how to make a noise that I thought sounded like a spec. And we shot some, but I didn't, but I had some bad habits I got to get out of. And, you know, and I, I love to blow a goose call and I can blow a duck call. I can, okay. But uh, the spec call is just different and it's going to take some time to break down what I, what I picked up that wasn't right, actually. Well, and here's the thing is, ironically enough, you were making sounds. They weren't maybe the proper technique to make that sound, but it was funny because. He went back. Well, we went back. He listened to the podcast we did with you. He mimicked those sounds, and sure enough, we killed specs. But then sitting down here dissecting it, how to properly make those sounds, and yeah, it was just yeah. Was, you're, the way you're teaching it is you wouldn't you don't need as as much air. And I, when I was calling in these specs, I was about to die. <laughs> yeah, we look over. He's passed out, <laughs> choking on it's, chew. It's and, not hard to do it. Specs require a lot of calling. They love a lot of calling. They're different. Uh, they're a different type of bird. Not tell everybody, you know. If I'm a six out of ten spec caller, you know, if I could become a seven out of ten, I'm gonna kill more birds. You know, spec calling and the sounds you make and and your realism on a spec call is a lot like what I consider turkey calling. You know, if you can be prettier, if you can have more birds and do more things, it's gonna kill birds for you. So, it's a struggle learning how to blow a spec call. You know, for me, it just came because I grew up where there were specs and that was what we had to hunt. Um, and I had bad habits too, and I you know I had to fight through them. So. You know, anybody who's listening that wants to learn how to blow a spec collar is interested in it, pick one up, get familiar with it, listen to birds, replicate birds. And at the end of the day, just like what, what you guys do and what Chandler was talking about, if you're making sounds that are killing birds, 
if it isn't broken, don't fix it. You know, go out there, make some noise, kill some birds, have a good time. But if it strikes your interest, um, really just try to mimic those birds and, and really push yourself and fight through some of those um, hurdles that are there, learning how to blow a spec call. Because the better you get on a spec call, the bigger your pile is going to be. Boone, you going to be in the World Spec Championship next year? <coughs> no. No? No. Do you blow a spec call? Um, I do. And I, I joke around with Brooke all the time. I said 90% of spec callers are in the same same area, right? There's very few people that are excelling at spec calling, and it is a completely different world. I'm in that. Yeah. Ni- I'm in that ninety percent. Uh, I can make your basic yodels and things that I think sound like a spec. Brooks says they don't, but whatever. <laughs> um, but no, you're to hear somebody that is proficient at a spec call is unlike any other duck or goose call. It, it's something pretty amazing. So, I would love to learn. I don't know that I have the raw talent. Um, but if anybody's out there, man, learn to blow a spec call because it, it makes you kind of one of the uh, – I'm not going to say it makes you one of the elite hunters, but it, it makes you kind of in a class of your own. You're, you're probably not going to meet yourself at many sporting goods stores if you're sitting up there just rallying on a spec call. So it, it definitely makes you stand out. And, and, hey, down here, if somebody wants to get into goose hunting, you're killing specs. We don't have, we don't have Canada's anymore. Um, and that's a lot of the places. If somebody's getting into this sport and you want to kill geese, learn to kill specs because that's what we have. Oh, for sure. And I mean, we got lucky yesterday and shot, you know, 30 plus mallards in, in the timber. But, you know, on days where you're shooting two or three ducks, kind of like we have been there all these other days where it's just really slow, uh, we killed a speck yesterday in the timber. You know, that was awesome. It was actually the first bird we killed. And, um, we don't have a single speck decoy out. We're literally surrounded by trees in a small hole that's got three foot of water in it. Those specks don't want to be there. It's it was all calling, you know, and and not not to give myself a chip on the shoulder or anything, but that gets another bird to kill. And if you're whether you're can of goose hunting, I don't care what flyway you're in. I'm sure you've seen specks fly over, and now you're you're starting to feel like they're getting closer to you because their population's growing. Or you're duck hunting in Arkansas or anywhere. If, if there's a bird that's flying around and you can kill it. And your duck hunting's not perfect, which I don't know whose duck hunting is perfect right now. But I mean, heck, grab a spec call. You know, learn learn to call them and shoot them. It's just one more thing to do while you're. They duck used hunting. to be kind of elusive. You know, around here, speckle belly. I remember growing up, did you see any birds? Oh, I saw some snows and specks. Everybody kind of related them together. But now that the population's growing, and they used to be pretty solitary animals, but now there's a there's a huge number of them around to hunt. I was talking to Brooke in Arkansas used to see fields that would have nine or ten here and six or seven here. But, man, I'm seeing fields now that are having thousands of only speckle bellies in That's it. You we never saw. used to see that. So they're a, they're a huntable animal now. The limits are going up. Uh, people are learning how to successfully hunt them. And it's kind of a hybrid between a Canada goose and a duck, the way they work. They're extremely vocal. They love to have somebody talk back to them. And it's pretty neat to get in on a, a good spec hunt and, and actually decoy. Well, some, I think they're so. an amazing looking bird too. And so I've they heard it tastes great. That's what I've heard. I'm Take it from me. Gosh. Speckle is amazing. How do you cook it? Uh man, I'm a popper guy. I make everything into poppers. Pepperoncinis, cream cheese, bacon, grill that sucker up. Uh Speckle is amazing. Yeah, I tell everybody, you know, would you go to a restaurant and order it off the menu? Probably not. But when you go shoot a mixed bag of birds and there's a speck there, I can tell you which one I want to eat. It really is just a, a cleaner, yeah, bigger version of a mallard. You know, it, it's it's great, whether it's medium rare. And, and one human can only eat so much waterfowl in one season um, until you start getting creative. But anything from, you know, speckle belly Philly cheese steaks to 
lasagna, Mexican food, Chinese food, uh, styles of cooking. It, it's just a clean, a cleaner, less gamey version of, of a duck is what I relate it to. So it, it tastes great. It doesn't taste bad. It, it doesn't have necessarily a ribeye flavor by any means, but it's clean. You can really play around with it and make it taste good. Oh. I'll eat it any day. I need to get back down here and just hammer some specs with you sometime. Well, we're not going to go stand in the trees if you want to go kill specs, but we'll try hard every time we go, for sure. <laughs> I don't know. It seemed to work yesterday. Hey, there's great yeah. places around here to spec hunt that a lot of people don't need to know about. But um, You had that. <laughs> yeah. you had top secret. Western Kentucky spec hunt is top secret. Yeah. It's got, it really, we really do get a, a decent population, a huntable population here, and a lot more people walk into our headquarters and, hey, man, get some spec decoys. We want to get some. And it's the same people you see on Facebook and Instagram holding up six-man limit of specs the I've next week. I've been seeing these geese that kind of sound like a Canada, they but also like giggle. a snow, and they look, yeah, giggle chickens. <laughs> those are speckle bellies. Really? Can yeah. you hunt those things? Heck Yeah. Man, we run we run out all those specs before we go on our our duck hunt. Like, okay, stop it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How many funny. ducks you kill yesterday? Three. All right. Here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna get some some Marsh layout blinds. We're gonna go out there, and we're gonna go kill them. And we're gonna take ten decoys, and we're gonna call at them. And you're gonna not want a duck hunt for the rest of the season unless more ducks show up. So it's it's a cool thing. It, it is. Yeah, you had that spec backpedaling like a duck in the timber hole, which is pretty cool. Yeah, it, it doesn't happen often. We've we've shot a handful of them out here in that timber hole, and normally uh, what you end up doing is what I call quote-unquote tree-topping. You know, you shoot them at 40 to 50 yards, and it is what it is. You know, we don't shoot in the big groups when they're like that, but you get a single to break out, and it's circling on top of you. You got 10 guns in the blind. You know, it's a that's a dead bird. I think that one was going to sit down, too. Oh, yeah. I mean— and and if you've never watched a duck, you know, do it right in flooded timber, they just kind of hit a wall when they're 50 yards tall, and they just come straight down the elevator shaft and just, they tuck their butt up, they start flapping real tight, and they come straight down. Expected no different. You know, when it hit the tops of the trees and realized it wanted in, it started coming down. Uh, we, I was just too excited to wait any longer. I mean, we if we'd have had, a, you know, one short of our six-man limit of specs, we'd have watched him land, but, I mean, 30 yards is 30 yards, right? So, you know, pull the trigger and, and smile. So yes. It was fun. Anything else you want to hit in particular, Chandler? We're running about 55 minutes here, so. No, I mean, it's been a heck of a hunt, guys. Thanks for oh, having man. us out. I'm Thanks glad, so much. I'm glad you guys came. It's been a long time coming. You know, heck, we're, y'all are our good luck charm on this one, so we're yeah. really glad y'all came out. You wouldn't, have, you wouldn't have believed us if we'd have told you how bad or good it could have been, but I'm glad you guys got to come on a good one. We really enjoyed it. Yes, absolutely. So it was good, good stuff. Thank you guys for having yeah, us down. Yeah, I appreciate you guys coming down. I'm glad you came on the right weekend. Yes. Yeah. I mean, that was awesome. Nobody knew it, but I'm glad it turned out like it did. A so, little last-minute thing, too. We just yeah. threw together. So, Boone, when we when are we seeing all that Higdon stuff for fall? Is it June, July? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's when you guys will start getting it. Hopefully, we'll have it all in there and ready to go by the time your guys' event starts, a calling contest. And Brooke and myself and Kyle and a lot of us will be up there, uh, you know, kind of helping you guys push push obviously our product, but everybody else's as well. So yeah, it'll be it'll be for this season. You guys, uh, you guys are looking strong coming into it as always. So we'll start rolling videos midsummer then. Yep. yep, we'll have some cool stuff. We look forward to seeing some of the the Rogers uh, product reviews and everything on your Instagram, Facebook. That we always enjoy those. So mm-hmm. uh, can't thank you guys enough for having us out, and thanks for all you do for what we do. Well, hey, we appreciate it too. So if if that's it, Chandler, anything else? That's it. All right. That's a wrap.